Welcome to Series Regular, the Hollywood Reporter's deep dive podcast into genre television. I'm Josh Wiggler, your host here on Series Regular. And for the next several weeks, we're all in on one thing and one thing only, Game of Thrones. Consider this your weekly window into the world of Westeros as we thoroughly explore each episode of the Emmy-winning epic's final season. So let's start right there. The final season of Game of Thrones is finally at hand. The first of David Benioff and Dan Weiss's six remaining episodes premieres April 14th on HBO, bringing the war for the fate of the Seven Kingdoms one hour closer to its resolution. There are 7,053 unresolved questions still hanging in the air, give or take on that number. And with only literally 432 minutes of runtime left, it's going to be quite the high wire act to answer everything. I've been writing up a storm over at THR.com slash Game of Thrones, doing my best to predict some of the answers to those questions. But before you even ask anything, you may have a more important task in front of you. Remembering anything. With 67 episodes already under its belt, and more oddly pronounced names than one can count on 10 hands, Game of Thrones is dense. Very fun. Very rewarding. Very dense. Time's running out before the season premiere. And if you don't have time to go back and watch everything to get yourself prepped, no problem. All you need is this podcast. In the first episode of Series Regular, my goal is simple. To get you as ready as humanly possible, as quickly as humanly possible, for what's at stake in the final season. The stories you need to be tracking. The kings, queens, and killers driving those stories. And everything else worth pondering as we prepare to say goodbye to Westeros for good. Or at least until the hopeful prequel series, anyway. Without further ado, let's dive into it. Here's everything you need to remember about Game of Thrones before the final season, starting with a throwback to the very beginning. One book, a sword. I know I broke my oath. And I know I'm a deserter. I should have gone back to the war and won them, but I saw what I saw. I saw the White Walkers. If you're scratching your head trying to recognize that man's voice, don't be too hard on yourself. Those are the words of Will, played by Bronson Webb, a Night's Watch deserter featured in precisely one episode of Game of Thrones, the very first episode. The series begins with a focus on the Night's Watch, a sacred order of men sworn to protect the fictional land of Westeros from threats beyond the Wall, an enormous structure made out of ice. Will and two others travel into the lands north of the Wall in the opening minutes of the series, and in short order, all but Will are killed, murdered by a creature known as a White Walker, an ancient evil that terrorized mankind so long ago that most folks in Westeros wouldn't even classify it as extinct. Many would say it never existed to begin with, but Will knows the truth. The White Walkers are all too real. He survives the encounter, but only for another five or so minutes, before he's apprehended and beheaded by Lord Eddard Stark, Warden of the North, for the simple crime of deserting the Watch. If only Ned had listened to Will's words of warning before removing the poor man's head, maybe then the ensuing seasons of terror could have been avoided. Indeed, it's not long before Ned Stark, played by Sean Bean, loses his own head, decapitated in the penultimate episode of season one, Baylor, directed by Alan Taylor. 
Lord Stark was the single most identifiable main character in Game of Thrones through the first nine episodes of the series. His death signaled that nobody was safe from the god of death, and that anyone could be killed at any time, no matter their apparent importance to the overall plot. Cases in point, Viserys Targaryen, burned to death. A crown for king. Rob Stark, butchered at the Red Wedding. The Lannisters send their regards. Catelyn Stark, also butchered at the Red Wedding. The Red Viper, whose head exploded. Then I smash their head in like this! And even Jon Snow, betrayed by his own sworn brothers of the Night's Watch. For the Watch. Of course, some characters have endured more than others, including one of the aforementioned dead men, Jon Snow, played by Kit Harington, the closest thing to a traditional main character in Thrones lore. For much of the series, he's viewed as nothing more than the bastard son of Ned Stark, sent off to fight for the Night's Watch. He eventually becomes their leader and becomes one of the only people in Westeros who recognizes that White Walkers are not only real, but really serious about coming to the Seven Kingdoms to butcher every last man, woman, and child. Unfortunately, others don't quite see things the same way as Jon. He's killed by members of his own order, promptly resurrected thanks to an enigmatic fire magic ritual, and then subsequently decides to leave the Night's Watch in order to rally the rest of the realm in preparation for war against the Night King, the vicious leader of the White Walkers. In the process, Jon becomes a king in his own right, the King in the North, ruling over his fellow Northerners from House Stark's ancestral home of Winterfell, a place that's destined to become central to the final episodes of Thrones. Jon's elevated status and heightened awareness of the Army of the Dead eventually leads him to a castle called Dragonstone, where he meets another monarch. You stand in the presence of Daenerys Stormborn of House Targaryen, rightful heir to the Iron Throne, rightful Queen of the Andals and the First Men, protector of the Seven Kingdoms, the Mother of Dragons, the Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea, the Unburnt, the Breaker of Chains. This is Jon Snow. He's king in the north. Clearly, Jon's resume needs some work, but it's not just style points for the Mother of Dragons. Played by Amelia Clark, Daenerys Targaryen has experienced a journey as elaborate as her title suggests. She began the series as an abused victim of her evil brother, only to rise as a warrior queen with barbarians, cities, and dragons at her beck and call. Daenerys's conquest through Essos, the continent to the east of Westeros, is a veritable VR training room compared to her ultimate goal, winning the Iron Throne and claiming her rightful place as the Queen of Westeros. Long before the series' premiere, Daenerys's family reigned supreme over the Seven Kingdoms, with turbulent results, to put it lightly. Chased out of the land as an infant, Daenerys returned to her birthplace in Season 7, ready to wield her dragons on the path toward destiny, rumors of White Walkers be damned. Eventually, Daenerys observed the power of the White Walkers firsthand when she rode her dragons beyond the wall to help Jon Snow and then lost one of her dragons in battle against the Night King. Since then, she's sworn to help Jon in the fight against the dead 
putting her quest for the Iron Throne on hold for the time being. White Walkers aside, there's another obstacle facing Queen Daenerys' ambitions for the Iron Throne. Namely, there's already a queen on the Iron Throne. I now proclaim Cersei of the House Lannister, first of her name, queen of the Andals and the First Men, protector of the Seven Kingdoms. Portrayed by Lena Headey, Cersei Lannister stands out as the most recognizable face of human villainy still standing in the world of Game of Thrones. Drunk with power and also literally drunk for most of the series, Cersei has betrayed and butchered an uncountable amount of enemies in order to win the Iron Throne and hold onto it at all costs. Among the costs, the lives of her three children, all their lives brutally claimed over the course of seasons four through six. Now pregnant with her fourth child, Cersei wants nothing more than to defeat any and all enemies standing in her way, a list that includes Daenerys Targaryen and Jon Snow, and she might have the power to do it, thanks to a group of mercenaries she's aiming to hire called the Golden Company, set to make their debut in the final six episodes of Thrones. Cersei's lust for power is so significant that she's even pushed away the only person who ever truly stood by her side, Jaime Lannister, her brother and her lover. Look, it's Westeros, things are a little weird. Played by Nikolai Costerwaldo, Jamie is best known throughout the realm by another name. Kingslayer! A title he earned after betraying and killing the Mad King Aerys Targaryen, Daenerys' insane father. Since then, Jamie's evolved, deciding it's best to fight for the combined forces of the living in their war against the White Walkers. A position that Cersei doesn't quite agree with. I pledged to ride north. I intend to honor that pledge. And that will be treason. Trees. Disobeying your queen's command, fighting with her enemies, what would you call it? One of the big reasons why Cersei isn't fond of Jaime joining up with the Targaryen Snow Alliance is that the alliance already includes another one of Cersei's brothers. I am a Lannister. Tyrion, son of Tywin. And of course, you have also heard the phrase, a Lannister always pays his debts. Tyrion played to Emmy-winning heights by Peter Dinklage. Cersei has spent her entire life loathing her little brother, who she's accused of killing their mother, killing their father, and killing her oldest son. She's right on one of those counts, at least. But more egregiously in her mind, Tyrion is fighting on behalf of Daenerys these days, serving as her foremost advisor. As the final season begins, two out of the three Lannisters will be on the right side of the war between the living and the dead. But even in the face of those numbers, we would be foolish to underestimate Cersei, given the trail of bodies she's left in her wake, not to mention the guiding philosophy she espoused all the way back in the Ned Stark days of season one. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. There is no middle ground. Cersei's words not only provide Game of Thrones with its name, but also provide the series with an overarching ethos. So many men and women have waged war with one another in an effort to win the Iron Throne, or any other form of power, from Theon Greyjoy trying to impress his father in Season 2 by conquering Winterfell and losing so much of his manhood in the process, to the Night's Watch mutineer Carl Tanner of Gin Alley leading a revolution at Craster's Keep in Season 4. And those are just a couple of examples. Most of the folks who've played the Game of Thrones have lost, and therefore have died. Many still remain in play. But there aren't going to be many winners in the face of the White Walkers, who enter the final season having just blown a hole through the Great Wall of Westeros. 
The Night King approaches with the full army of the dead in tow, including the undead ice dragon Viserion, once loyal to Daenerys, now firmly fighting against the living. The stakes are high heading into these six remaining hours, with little time for the political wheeling and dealing Cersei Lannister loves so well. It's as the great Davos Seaworth told it to Daenerys Targaryen during her first meeting with Jon Snow. If we don't put aside our enmities and band together, we will die. And then it doesn't matter whose skeleton sits on the Iron Throne. So that's where things stand heading into the final season of Game of Thrones. But it's far from the full picture. It doesn't touch on the fact that Jon Snow is secretly the heir to the Iron Throne, thanks to his secret connection to the Targaryen family line. Nor does it touch on the fact that Jon's Targaryen lineage makes things pretty awkward between him and his new girlfriend Daenerys, who is actually kind of his aunt. It's weird. It also doesn't mention all of the other characters who are bound to have a huge impact on the final run of episodes. The Stark siblings, for instance, Sansa, Arya, and Bran, played by Sophie Turner, Maisie Williams, and Isaac Hempstead Wright, the last of whom is going to fly on a dragon before this whole story is said and done. It is known. Then there's the Clegane Bull, which must sound like gibberish to anyone who doesn't know or remember what a Clegane is. There are tons of theories to sink our teeth into, in other words. And we're going to do exactly that in our next episode of Series Regular, offering one last preview before the final Game of Thrones season premiere. Thank you for listening to Series Regular, the Hollywood Reporter's deep dive genre TV podcast. Subscribe to the show on your various podcast platforms. Email your questions and suggestions to seriesregular at thr.com or tweet them to me at Round Howard. And keep checking thr.com slash Game of Thrones for theories, interviews, and much more all season long.